When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bolin. Ben, we've got an interesting question of the day to cover here. Yes. Uh, should, we, should we just say it? Yeah, anyone, why not? You want to read it? Yeah. For anyone who hasn't checked the title, uh, can the United States Navy turn seawater into jet fuel? Interesting question, right? Because I think people have been, I don't know, searching for alternative sources of fuel for a long, long time. And mm. how many times have we heard this? You know, like we're we're going to find a way to power a car on air. We're going to find a way to power <laughs> cars with water. Yeah, right? yeah. You know that type of thing, right? In in ten years. In ten years, yeah. And then it's, gonna, it's always in ten years. And then uh, it's vegetable oil. Yeah. Your next car is going to run on vegetable oil, and the interstate is going to reek of French fries. And <laughs> which, in some cases, it does. But uh, you know, there's there's a, a huge source of fuel, a potential source of fuel, on this planet that yeah. a lot of people often look to and think, you know, if I could just turn that into fuel, you know, why? All of my problems will be solved here because we could run every vehicle all day long as long as we wanted to and, and no problem at all, right? And that's seawater, that, you know, it's right there on the title. Right. Um, 70% of the Earth's surface is covered in water, right? Yes, 90, over 70. 96.5% of that is ocean water. So we're talking about, you know, salt water. Mm-hmm. And the other 3.5% is fresh water. Um, there have been some a few people who have really given this a, a good go at it, right? People are making a good run at this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get into that specific person, I just wanted to do some background because we have talked about some other exciting Navy uh, technology. Oh, yeah, we have. So I wanted to take a second and plug our rotating detonation engine episode. Yeah, that was another, uh, well, it's something to do with fuel, right? Yeah. Fuel yeah. savings. Right. It's about creating a more efficient turbine or turbine engine for uh, in, hopefully enormous fuel savings. And this is the idea that, that sort of takes it to the next level. 
outside the box thinking. Yeah, because the Navy, the U.S. Navy, is a is a massive consumer of fuel. Now, whether that's jet fuel, whether sure. it's just fuel to run the ships, whatever it happens to be, um, in this case, they're they're looking to uh, create jet fuel and the highest end jet fuel. Um, so, like the ones that we talked about in the uh, rotating detonation engine, yeah, uh, they were trying to create or trying to operate these engines on that type of fuel. So. Um, the fuel savings that we talked about, because that was the the main thrust of that one, was right. the the fuel savings, and the fuel savings were like twenty five percent, right? Mm-hmm. But the numbers equated to like four hundred million dollars a year. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they don't really do anything small time. So we're talking about like a like literally like a two billion dollar fuel bill, mm-hmm. jet fuel bill. Uh, for the Navy each year, and uh, that's something that you know they're extremely interested in lowering because you know we have requirements, we have needs. You have to be able to to operate this thing. I mean, you can't. Right. It's not like you know when you're on a pleasure boat and you decide to go out for the weekend, which is expensive enough, by the way. Yeah, no kidding, um, especially given the depreciation on boats. Do you know anybody that has a, a boat that's like that's kind of? It's not one you can throw on a trailer and fill up, you know, at the local Chevron station. Right. Um, one that you know has to be. Doctor moored on the lake and stays on the lake in a know? marina. Yes, um, I let's see. Yeah, in Florida, actually, okay. I, have, I have a friend uh, older than me. Um, I don't know anybody my age. No, who, who no. has a, a boat that that doesn't fit on a trailer. Okay, yeah, same same here, same situation. But I can tell you that anybody that I've talked to that that has something like this, my father in law has one that's that's on the lake that can't be towed or trailered. Oh, cool, and. Fuel prices became a huge concern to him around, I think it was around 2008, mm-hmm. and uh, when fuel just went right through the roof. And you can Sky imagine rocketed. that when someone is a, a captive audience like that, you know, where you can't take that anywhere else, you, your only choice is to go to the marina to yeah. get fuel. Yep. The prices are even higher. So, you know, in the Navy situation, it's a little different, but... Mm-hmm. Um, if a pleasure boater is having a lot of problems paying for fuel, you know that somebody who has to take a, a, a Navy cruise ship mm-hmm. over to the Persian Gulf and then fly jets, you know, from that ship or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know that fuel costs are going to be right through the roof. They're going to be an extremely um, important part of whatever budget that they're going to have, you know, put together for that trip or that, yeah. that excursion, right? And that's a that's a great point. Uh, a lot of folks may not realize this, but... Uh, if you are not familiar with the armed services, right, with the with the U.S. Navy, uh, the U.S. Navy is what is called a blue water navy. There are three types of water ratings for the navies of the world. I think they go brown water, green water, blue water. Uh, brown water would be a coastal navy, and these folks um, don't go too far away from their land. Uh, uh, green water navy is sort of the mid-range. A blue water navy uh, would be a navy or naval force that can travel across the globe. And spoiler alert, there aren't many, and the United States is by far the largest. We are talking huge, huge amounts of money. Yeah, they consume an awful lot of fuel in those in those cruises and uh, and and running operations from those cruises. So um, our missions. Mm-hmm. So okay. Oh, so back, back to the to, individual. Now we have to go back, and we have to go back to 2003. So we're talking 10 years ago at this point, right? Uh-huh. And, uh... Like many great discoveries or potential great discoveries, he was looking for something else. Yeah, this was uh, this was discovered by accident, really. I mean, uh, this happy accident, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, an inventor named John Kansius uh, was 
using radio waves to target and destroy cancer cells. Now, if we have any cancer survivors in our audience, um, you know, congratulations as well. And uh, as we all know, even if you have never personally dealt with cancer, had it in your family, um, the treatments can have um, powerful uh, negative effects. Yeah, side effects are, are awful uh, from some of this. Now, he's looking for a way to use radio waves to uh, to um, destroy, to target cancer cells without harming any nearby healthy cells. Yeah. So uh, he's trying to do to ex- extremely, like an extremely focused treatment, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, after a couple of years, he realized that this machine that he's using, you know, after, you know, multiple different uh, um, scenarios and ways that he set this thing up, methods, sure. uh, he realized that he was able to generate electricity with this machine, which is really kind of a, it's a weird thing, but it happened. I mean, it's such mm-hmm. a side effect, right? So he was able to use radio waves, uh, zapping salt water, and then after hitting the water with a concentrated blast of radio waves, the water became flammable. And it ignited uh, from a lit match. So what does this mean? This means that you turn on your machine, you know, wom, 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 or whatever noise it makes, and then it, it hits the salt water, and then you're able to take a lit match, put it in the water, and the water catches on fire. Crazy, huh? Now, the, the, the only drawback to this was it only worked when the machine was switched on. So if he's bombarding the water, the salt water, with these radio waves, just just... You know, just blasting it. Yeah. Uh, it was flammable. But as soon as the radio waves were switched off, the water became non-flammable once mm-hmm. again, um, as you would expect, right? It's seawater, right? I yeah. mean, who would expect it to burn? But, I mean, I, I guess you'd have to look at the... the, the um, now, we're not chemists. You're going to have to look at the chemical makeup, though, right. of, of salt water. And, and excuse me if I get a little bit uh, mixed up in this, but I'm going to try, uh-huh. okay? Um, now, seawater is made up of basically two elements. Right. Or uh, ingredients, let's say. Let's, let's say, say ingredients. ingredients. So yeah. that would be uh, salt or sodium chloride specifically. Mm-hmm. And, and then... And water, which is uh, hydrogen and oxygen combined, right? Yeah. Um, I think we can all follow that, right? Yeah, we're doing pretty well so uh, far. That, that's about <laughs> my, my level of chemistry understanding right there. But um, I'm going to continue on you know, with, with what we've said in the article here. Um, now, the, the thing that the radio waves did was they disturbed the water enough so that it separated the hydrogen from the oxygen, and the hydrogen molecules were the ones that were easy to burn. It made them um, accessible. I yeah, guess. yeah, it made their uh, normal properties, uh, one of which would be flammability, mm-hmm. easier to access. And so there's a great point here. Uh, one of the tricks to harnessing energy in general, this sounds really good, and I want to be honest with you guys, I didn't write this part. <laughs> okay. Uh, Understood. One of, uh one of the tricks, uh, our author says, to harnessing energy in general is to make sure the process can capture more energy than it takes to operate the m- machinery you need to extract the energy. Ah, good point. And this is, this is a, a, a huge point because we get a lot of questions about alternative energy sources, right? And, uh, we get a lot of questions about, um, you know, even the arguments uh, for and against desalinization, desalination. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the idea is um, crucial to any of these calculations because, sure, we can we can do a lot of neat stuff with different types of energy production, but we're on the lookout for those diamonds in the rough that are actually worth the time and energy. Is the process sustainable? That's probably the best thing. Is the yeah. best way to look at this is mm-hmm. that is that if 
if it makes sense to do this economically and uh, you know the, with the amount of effort that you have to put into this mm-hmm. thing, is it is it worth it to harvest that energy versus what you have to put into it? Exactly. Uh, or what is you it, get out of it, rather. Is I think it a net that, loss or I think I just said that backwards. But um, but you need to get more out of it than you put into it is really mm. basically what we're trying to say. So um, there's other aspects to look at this in, in this as well, like um, you know the environmental aspect, uh, how much pollution do you create, you know, to operate the machinery in order to harvest this energy, mm-hmm. and um, is the the newly captured energy um, is it is it going to count or is it um, is it clean? Uh, yeah, you know, is it clean? Yeah, I guess is it clean? What about the maintenance for the machinery? Things like that. How about labor required? Yeah. Um, what happens when the radio wave emitter on a jet breaks in mid-flight? Yeah. Because think about that. That means that it's not going to be flammable anymore. Ah, uh, but see, that's not what they're going to do, Ben. Right. That's. Uh, that, yeah. I mean, I, I see where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the, so it was a great discovery. Let's just put put it that way, right? Excellent. But. Um, it wasn't quite applicable yet. It wasn't because I, I think that this took a lot of. I mean, how, you you just said it right there. The radio emitter, if it didn't work, then there's no flammability, and there's this mm. whole. It just seems unreasonable for a jet to actually fly with this type of device on board, right? Right. What you want to do the the goal here is to to extract something that's flammable, some type of fuel mm-hmm. from seawater and then and then use it strictly in the jet so that you know it just operates as it normally would right uh, exactly. you want you want you want to create jet fuel using whatever whatever means necessary to uh, mm. to get it there now i know i'm getting a little confused well here, well so. well let's fast forward to february 2012 okay all right and, and that's when uh that's when a japanese firm called furukawa battery and i apologize if i mispronounced that uh they were working on a similar technology. And this happens a lot in the world of invention. Yeah. I think the typewriter was in- invented by independent inventors as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is like a fuel cell technology, mm-hmm. right? Yes, sir. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. 
managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Uh, so they're expecting, now this hasn't, this hasn't really hit the market yet, but uh, Furukawa Battery is expecting that when they have these fuel cells complete, ready for production, will cost about half as much as a comparable uh, battery, or comparable battery, mm-hmm. rather. Um, they think that this technology could be used as a source of backup power, um, eventually expanding into healthcare and technology applications. It's still a little bit far away from fueling up large military vehicles, though. And then who came along? And late 2012. <laughs> now, because you said early 2012 is when the battery company, right? Yes. Had this idea. Now, late 2012, the U.S. Navy said that they were working on a, a we'll call it a unique plan of their own, because mm-hmm. uh, it's not similar, really, in that uh, they've got a they've got a different way to go about this. And uh, to me, I, I think this is a this is a really good plan. I mean, I, I'm. This is solid. It, this really is solid. I mean, this is something that, you know, we, we talk about a lot of uh, future technologies here, right? Yeah. This seems like something that truly could work. I mean, I, I see this I see this happening. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of them that we're kind of so-so about, but this one right. I can see going. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think that we've developed a little bit of a collective nose on this show for discerning which future technologies could really pay off mm-hmm. and which are kind of... Not not to be rude, but are kind of novelties. Like yeah. it's neat to know that we can do some things, but why would we? A little daydreamy, maybe. Yeah, some of them, right. But yeah. Uh, but, but not this, this one. one. The, the U.S. Navy. I mean, they're not they're not uh, kidding around with this one now. The, the, here's the plan. Okay. And this is an ambitious plan, by the way, Ben. Uh, they. Oh my gosh, the numbers here. They need <laughs> they need to make about one hundred thousand gallons of jet fuel. Each day, and that's yeah. specifically JP five jet fuel. Yeah, that's the that's the good stuff. By the way, that's the top end jet fuel. Mm-hmm. Now that equates to about uh, three hundred and seventy eight thousand five hundred and forty one liters for our overseas listeners. Um, again, a hundred thousand gallons each day. Um, so of the good stuff, mm-hmm. how are they going to do this? Well. They've got this different method of doing it. Now, it doesn't necessarily involve the radio waves making, you know, seawater flammable just for that brief time, right? Right. Um, they've got a, they've got a, an idea to bring a separate uh, plant into it. And when I say plant, I don't mean a uh, you know a factory that's here in the United States or you know that's on solid ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're talking about making this operation mobile. So think about that when when I'm talking about this, and that you know everything is going to happen on board. So this would be an aircraft carrier with an onboard power plant to produce JP5. Yeah, and the plant now there's there's two different 
areas that this has to happen. And there's a, there's, you know, when I said a separate plant, and I had diverted there for a second, but the separate plant or separate operation on board uh, will be in charge of simply separating carbon dioxide from seawater. Yeah, so it's uh, pulling the carbon dioxide out of seawater. And granted, this is a little bit vague, the explanation and some of this is gonna, some of this is gonna sound a little bit vague because, you know, they're not, maybe they're not completely sure, uh, how they're gonna get all the kinks out. And then also maybe they don't want other people to know. That's right. But, but you know what? The, the point is here, Ben, that everything that we're gonna say, mm-hmm. that we're gonna tell you about this process, this, it's not a very long process, no, but no. everything we're gonna tell you about is possible and has been done. It's mm-hmm. not, it's 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 not like it's some you know unreasonable thing that they're talking about. Like we're not going to uh, <laughs> you know not going to make people fly or anything like that. Um, it's it's really really it comes down to you know I guess tried and true technology that you know they're able to do this. They're mm-hmm. able to set they are able to separate carbon dioxide from seawater. And the reason they're using seawater, by the way, is because they're going to be at sea when this happens. Otherwise, they could use fresh water because I think the goal is to get to fresh water eventually. You know, right, right. Really, but, and uh, they, um, they store this carbon dioxide. Yeah, it's stored. And, and the way that the writer puts it here, um, Cherise Lapine, um, one of our writers, she says that um, they store it almost like an ingredient for a recipe, if you want to think about it that way. Mm-hmm. That, you know, here's this, uh, this bunch of carbon dioxide that we've got off to the side. We're going to use that in a moment. But uh, right now, We've got one in the oven. Let's take a look at that. <laughs> That's what they do on the cooking shows, right? That is that is what yeah, they so do. Yeah. So anyway, so so what they do is they take seawater, and uh, this is after they separated carbon dioxide from mm-hmm. seawater. So they got that separate. They take seawater, which you know, of course, they're out at sea, and they throw it through a uh, reverse osmosis process, and that produces fresh water. And uh, of course, you know, it'd be much easier if they were on fresh water to begin with, because this is already done. But uh, they, you know, don't have that luxury. Yeah, them's the breaks. So then they have through this process, they arrive at the type of water they need, and that's when the second process begins. This separates the fresh water's atoms. Now, as as we said, uh, the hydrogen and oxygen. That's what water is. Yeah, simple as that. Two atoms of hydrogen, one atom of oxygen. Separate the two. You know, you've got, uh, then they take the, just the hydrogen part of that. Mm-hmm. And that meets up then with the carbon dioxide from the first process, right? Yes. And, uh, and the, they go through a catalytic conversion process. And the result is three things, Ben. The result is water, heat, and fuel. And those all, all three of those sound pretty good. Yeah, all three are pretty good. Now, of course, they want the fuel. That's the uh, that's the jet fuel that we're talking mm-hmm. about, and I'm sure that there are additives that go into that as well. Um, so there may be additional ingredients required, but you know, big deal. This is stuff that you're able to create on the fly um, at sea. Now, yes. the water and heat; those are byproducts, right? Uh, the water and heat can be used to not only power the process that we just talked about, mm-hmm. which in a very brief way, because I'm sure there's an awful lot to this high level over extreme. <laughs> high level because I'll tell you I'm not fully understand I'd, I'd have to see it to, to understand it really. yeah maybe we should just call our part of this the gist exactly now the heat and uh, heat and water those are used to um, you know to power the process or, mm-hmm. or they're you know, they could be used in other places on the ship you know for well heat and water whatever yeah, but there is a big catch here what's that and it's that the process requires an outside energy source just to keep all the machinery going okay 
Well, that's a, that shouldn't be too difficult, really, because uh, you're talking about like just an additional small power source to keep everything money, running. Because right. they've already got, you know, they're, they're creating their own fuel, mm-hmm. they're creating their own water, they're creating their own heat. Um, it seems like there's a lot of what they need right there, right? Yeah, but they could also um, they could also use some other innovative energy sources to be that outside power. Like when we say outside power, we mean outside of this plant system. We don't necessarily mean outside of the boat. Now, you know uh, a lot of military vessels have nuclear power, mm-hmm. and that might be a way to fix it. Um, the Navy Times is still working on how to get the kinks out, but this is just – Scott, this is amazing, and – I'm going to be honest with you. I think this could be the kind of thing that gets us in trouble. Now, granted, um, granted, the uh, the JP5 does offer some significant savings if they can implement this system in a cost-effective way and then scale it up. Because right now, uh, we point out that in 2011, the Navy spent between – Three fifty and four dollars a gallon on JP five. Mm-hmm. This this method would cost between three dollars and six dollars a gallon. That's a bigger variance, isn't it? And um, the reason that that variance is so large goes into all of the associated costs. How much does it cost to store this stuff? How much does it cost to keep it running? How much does it cost to move it around the world? Ah, uh, prices, 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 prices. Things are expensive. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. 
Results you can see like more time in range and lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Man, I mean, when I look at the, the price of this, I mean, a $2 billion a year fuel bill, I just... I can't believe it. I can't believe it takes that much to operate that. But um, mm-hmm. then you look at the size of the ships. Have you ever been around um, any of these enormous ships, these naval ships? They may as well be cities They're on the water. Huge, absolutely huge. And I know some are uh, nuclear-powered. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those are the exception, I guess, in this case, you know, the aircraft carriers. But uh, some of the smaller ships, um, man, it must take an – I mean, just – well, we can see how much it takes. It takes mm-hmm. an awful lot of fuel to get them – Around the globe, right, and so that's that's a great point because uh, fuel is going to become harder to find unless we find new methods of extracting, creating, or converting it. Right, doing it ourselves. Right, exactly, exactly, Scott. So there's a tremendously compelling interest uh, for not just the United States Navy, but navies around the world and. In- industries around the world to find uh, new, innovative, and perhaps unorthodox ways of creating fuel. Yeah, and this is totally unorthodox, but how perfect would this be mm-hmm. if we could run a ship on the the medium that it's floating on all the time? I mean, if it was able to just open up a, a hatch, mm-hmm. gather up more material that they use to create this fuel, uh, what, what a fantastic solution this would be if this really works I mean, that eliminates an, an awful lot of logistic issues with, you know, refueling uh, for, you know, the ships, for the planes, for everything in order to get fuel out to them or having them, you know, remove themselves from whatever situation they're in, mm-hmm. coming back out to a safe zone in order to refuel and then reenter the, uh, the the war zone or whatever it happens to be, the uh, the watch zone, whatever. Right. Um, if they're able to just create on the fly what they need, this is incredible. Yeah, this could... Um if it, depending on how this works out, this could easily lead to a situation where a ship only has to dock in order to, uh, for for the sake of its human inhabitants. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's just a matter of making you know what the process that we told you. Mm-hmm. You know, the, this I don't know four or five step process. Now we've extremely simplified it, but it, it's not all that difficult to imagine them literally doing this and, and this and this being put into action. Now I do have one point that we have to make before we get out. What's that? And I think I feel like I, I already know what you're going to say, but there are some environmental implications that could be um, difficult. We would definitely be remiss if we didn't mention these uh, in the show now. So when we're reading about this, when I was checking into this, it reminded me a little bit about the big ethanol debate from a few years back. Remember that? Oh, I do, yeah. Um, using corn for fuel rather than for food, right? Right. And there was uh, quite a bit of misinformation uh, going around uh, in that debate on both sides, mm-hmm. right? Because we know that one country that's had tremendous success with using ethanol is Brazil, but they use sugarcane ethanol. Mm-hmm. Um, and corn ethanol is... Corn-derived ethanol is a different process. Uh, the primary contention that people had in the case of ethanol was uh, that they were saying it was not ethically 
right on on some level, right? Yes. It was not ethically right to use what could be a food source to fuel uh, vehicles. Yes. And another uh, one of the pieces of information, without picking a side, Scott, one of the pieces of information that, that really bugged me, um, and I think people more people need to know, is that the majority of the corn grown in the United States, even today, is not meant for human consumption. That's right. It's usually livestock feed, filler, that type of thing. Right. But, of course, that, that concern, I think, is a valid concern. And the question here uh, is... Is this a situation where we should be careful what we wish for in regards to using salt water to create fuel? Okay. Enter, you know, there's going to be ocean conservation people that talk about this as far as like, well, what do you, you're going to deplete the oceans. Of right. Their, You'll their, disrupt the ecosystem. You'll salinity. use all the water. You're going to remove the salinity from these and what's going to happen with uh-huh. that? Well, I would think now I've been, this is not in my notes anywhere and this is just catching me by surprise a little bit, but. I would assume that you know the the salt that's removed from the the, the ocean water in this process mm-hmm. would be simply redistributed back into the ocean. They're not going to want to just you know stockpile mm-hmm. salt that comes out of the ocean. <laughs> salt I, hoarders. No, no. I think it will be I think it will be cast off back into the ocean, right? Uh-huh. And they're not going to be pumping hot water back into the ocean because they know they know better than them to do that. I know they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the heat, you know, the the hot water that we talked about, the the water and the heat and the fuel, know, yeah, and the fuel. Um, those have purposes on the ship and they'll be cooled before they're, you know, Mm -hmm. either used as hot water, used as just cool water on the ship or cooled and then re, you know, reapplied or what do you want to call it? Re, uh, Uh, redistributed in the ocean. Yeah. And I don't, Um, I don't want to, I'm sorry to, I don't want to cut you off here, but I also, uh, don't want to put you on the spot here, buddy, because as, as you and I both know, these questions have yet to be answered and, uh, the U S Navy, is going to have to do numerous feasibility studies the entire the entire way of the process because whenever you're with an organization this big doing something of this magnitude or what's the word you used earlier ambitious yes ambitious doing something this ambitious then you know it's not going to be just one double check or signing no, off no, no. we're talking extensive testing for years probably people are watching and uh and they know that and uh I can I'm I'm one hundred percent sure that they're going to do the right thing in this case. I mean, mm-hmm. they they have to. I mean, there's so many people that are going to be um, just monitoring this situation, finding out what they're going to be doing with the you know mm-hmm. the the, uh, the the water that they gather, what's going to what's going to come out the bottom of this, how it's going to affect everything around it, the plant life, the uh, the animal life around it. Um, they're going to have to do the right thing. They're going to have to make this right. In order to to go forward with this, so yeah, before they get the okay to do all this, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to have to do something to make it right, and they and I'm I'm confident that they will. Yeah, and I I like the way you concluded that because I hope that's not too naive, Ben, but I I'm confident that they will. Well, here's here's the thing that I I share your confidence with some of this stuff. Um, one thing that I can definitely say is that it is completely possible. That they would find some, uh, they would find some process based on this, right? That mm-hmm. does create the JP5, uh, but also maybe it's not as clean as they originally thought. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, then it's just going to be delayed as they figure out a way to clean it up or to prevent that from impacting, make, making a further impact. I mean, it's completely possible that this could be a feasible process, but it could be, um, it could have a disadvantage of some sort 
that makes it not worthwhile. That's what we opened up with here. Yeah, so what we talked about, you know, before with the, uh, is it worth it, you know, this energy harvesting exactly. versus, uh, versus, you know, what you, what you get out of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, that may come into factor and they may, they may bump back the time. It may completely eliminate this idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't know right now because, you know, the, the time frame on something like this is, you know, it's always a decade out. Yeah, uh, you so know, they're, ten they're, years, right? Yeah, they're going to do it in ten years. So you know, maybe it'll bump it back to fifteen. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll just say after three or four years of this that you know what that was a good idea and we tried it, but it just didn't work, and we're going to go this direction now. And this is amazing, uh, fascinating science. I would love to see this in action simply for my own curiosity. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, when when we think about the the huge technological innovations that are looming on the horizon today, we are very lucky to live in, in a profoundly exciting time. Sure, and if you can, you know, a lot of stuff comes from military applications down mm-hmm. to civilian applications. So, you know, if we're now surrounded by uh, a potential fuel source, problem solved, right? I mean, if we're able to create this on dry land for automobiles, mm-hmm. for, you know, jet planes that you know are here in the states you know and not on a on a naval ship mm-hmm. um if we're able to power you know our lawnmowers or whatever by uh, by fuel that we create from seawater uh this this is pretty exciting really i mean as long as we do it in, in of course in an environmentally sensitive way i mean as long as we you know do the right thing right as long as we don't end up with a bunch of thirsty people and a lot of jet fuel <laughs> yeah and dead fish you know if there's uh, uh yeah. you know hopefully we uh we maintain you know, the kind of the balance that we have right now, or, or we can, you know, improve the balance that we have, whatever. So let us know what you think. We we know we did a high-level look at this, but uh, we wanted to just give you the, the quick and dirty facts about this, again, profound idea. Yeah. And we wanted to see what you guys think, because we're still, we're still kicking this around. Yes, and you know what? One more time, I've got to say it. We're not chemists, so please don't uh, jump on us too much about that. You know, read the articles, dig into it yourself, and find out the exact chemistry behind this thing because we just we, we gloss over it, mm-hmm. and that was on purpose because we just we're, we don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot. I, I personally just don't get it myself. I know you're probably a little better at that than me, but um, but really, people need to dig into it for themselves to find out the uh, you know the the actual way that all this stuff is exactly happening. Yeah, and tell us if you think this is a good idea or if you think this is uh, doomed to have, you know, uh, what it's like a mad scientist question, you know. Uh, we built a fuel so plentiful it will destroy us all. Yeah, I mean, this guy that, you know, the, the original founder of this idea, the guy that was investigating cancer treatment. Yeah. I mean, I think that the problem probably, you know, the problem, the... Uh, the the, this this application, this process, went away for many years before, you know, in 2012, it was finally brought up again. It's like, well, we could use this for our battery. And then the U.S. Yeah. Navy said we can use this. And, mm-hmm. and so things like this come and go. There's an ebb and flow. And uh, we'll see how this one goes. So you, uh, while we wait to see how this all shakes out, we're looking for some topics for our upcoming shows. We'd love to hear from you. You can drop us a line on Facebook where we, uh, we post all kinds of cool car stuff, car space stuff, things about cars. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter where we make pity witty comments. And you can cut past all that social media if that's not really your thing. 
but you still want to talk to us, hey, we're online. Send us an email at carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.